to buy from out of state. That's you know? right. So look at it that way. It's and it'll really help, help relations. Us. It'll help marriages. It'll yeah, help exactly. to build community. Yeah. Really? It will. I mean, every, why, can, why can you drink alcohol? Why is alcohol legal? What's the guy? Know. What's a drunk uh, guy? Who well, do you want? A drunk yeah. guy in your house or a stone guy? What's the drunk guy going to do, Ali? Is he going to pee on the couch? Is he going to throw something out the window? What is the stone guy going to do? <laughs> He's probably going to admire the wallpaper. <laughs> you know, tell wow, you how beautiful man. the couch is. Yeah, the couch is gorgeous. <laughs> but uh, you know, the problem with the stone guys is they eat all your food. Uh, I think says our it's time, time to go, has but I can't hear the music. So it's hard for the tell. next show will probably discuss some aspect of the munchies. I'm sure. <laughs> Right. So this was a nice segue. Thanks for listening. Go ahead and, uh, you know, go outside and say, if it's okay with you, can we have world peace and clean up the earth and mm-hmm. clean up Mother wa- Mother right. Earth's water? Go outside and pray, then yep. go in the privacy of your personal property, your own home, and light up a joint. <laughs> Renegade Solutions is a White Buffalo Woman production. It is engineered today by Kristen Somerall. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm Sharmi Golson for Ali Transboy Bratton. Please remember, we're all related. See you next week. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's that? Hand off his box, the box of chocolates. Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe, that means I have half a mind to stay. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show specially designed to talk about all things munchie-related. And I have a guest in the studio who is here to talk to us about various things munchie-related. In fact, it's probably post-munchies. I mean, it's a full meal, really, isn't it? Yeah, a full meal, full Thanksgiving dinner. Hopefully yeah. a little more than the munchies. Yeah. So, uh, Dustin, welcome. Thank you. So, you did something on Thanksgiving, which I think is applicable to Christmas and Kwan's and all the other holidays, so I figured... Why not uh, talk about it? And so. it's, a, it's actually even applicable to the Sunday before Thanksgiving, because that's technically when we had the meal. Okay. But uh, my wife and I decided to do a Thanksgiving dinner that's with ingredients from uh, all within 100 miles of our apartment, which is in Ann Arbor. And we had uh, varying degrees of success. It was almost entirely local. And now, what inspired you to do that? Well, it, what inspired me to do it was that... Uh, not doing work. I was at work, not doing work, okay. and I was I was looking at a blog, and uh, I found out about this. There's a a whole movement out there. It's called the Hundred Mile Diet. It was started by two people in Vancouver, and and what they decided to do is just uh just make everything that they had, including every single ingredient that they consumed, would be from within a hundred miles of their house. And they have a website called hundredmilediet.org, and I and I went to that, and they were challenging people to do this for Thanksgiving, mm. and so uh, so that's that's what gave me the idea to do it. And it's there's probably some challenges involved there. Yeah, well, 
the the challenges were like you know like how far do you take it like if if you have local bread is it good enough to have you know just bread that's made locally or all the ingredients have to be local like for example like zingerman's obviously has great bread but their flour i found out comes from uh south dakota it's actually grown in south dakota yeah so so that wouldn't work so so it was like we we had to we we wanted to try and make every every single ingredient come from local sources so that would be that that made it a little hard to find but it was also you know like an adventure yeah sounds like fun and uh also i suppose there is a a reason for this whole thing well i did it i did it for a story for work that 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 aired uh, on the radio uh, at a different radio station. A certain Michigan radio station that we can't name here. <laughs> Was that subtle enough? Yeah, a certain Michigan radio, radio station. Yeah. But uh, so, so I actually got, I got technically, I got paid to do this. I got, oh, okay. I got, I actually That's got a reason to, to do it. I got to go b- buy bread during the day while I was on the clock. It was, it was pretty nice, pretty okay. sweet deal. But yeah, so I, did, so I did this story and. Uh, and because my my wife, we wanted to go see our family on Thanksgiving. Uh, her aunt, who lives in Indiana, which is nowhere near 100 miles from our apartment. So since we were driving more than 100 miles for the actual Thanksgiving, we just had our Thanksgiving the Sunday before. Okay. And it took me it took me a good you know like a month to find all the ingredients. And the thing was the the turkey was was pretty easy. I found turkey at the. Uh, uh, I'll put in a plug for Ruperti's Turkey Farm. You can still get your Christmas turkey there if, you, if you're interested in Christmas turkey. Wow. They're in Livonia. And a really cool woman uh, named Christine Ruperti. And the the cool thing about this place, uh, and, you know, there was all kinds of cool things when I started, like, trying to find out about local food. There were all these cool little stories and cool people I met that, I, you know, you wouldn't have met if you just went to the store to pick up a turkey in a plastic right. bag. Boy, aisle 13. Boy, what a great aisle. Lots of great people there. No, not as interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All the great stories in aisle 13 can never compare to to uh, to some of these. So Christine Ruperti, who's uh, been on this turkey farm since she was like a little girl. Her family's had this turkey farm in Livonia since 1948, she told me. And uh, they're literally, they're on Five Mile Road and the middle of suburban sprawl. And there's a... a um, there's a, a a new subdivision that just went up next door, oh. and all these people crowding in. But she managed to keep her turkey farm growing, and uh, the turkey's a little expensive. We paid a little bit of money, mm-hmm. but it was it was cool. I sat down and talked with her, and and the turkey was like amazingly delicious, best turkey I've ever had. Really, I think. No offense, mom, <laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> well, she didn't manufacture it, I guess. No, 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 no. no. She didn't grow it. No. Or manufacture, that's an interesting choice. A word that popped out of my mouth. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Manufacturing turkey. Well, anyway, yes. <laughs> now, it's a, probably a smaller turkey than most of your massive butterball turkeys. No, actually, ours was huge. We had a 22-pound turkey, and I got a chance to meet the turkeys before before we ate them. I don't know if I met <laughs> my specific turkey, but, you know, I, I went, and they, she's, she has a yard full, and they're, they're, hers aren't actually, like, free-range. You hear about free-range turkeys. Hers aren't uh-huh. that, because... She actually feeds them corn, which she swears up and down is is what makes them better, as opposed to free range, which they'll, they'll be ranging free but eating grass. Her okay. turkey's sort of range free, but it's on the dirt, and they eat corn out of little bins. Oh, okay. And so, so it was it was really good, and, and you know it was it was nice to like meet this small town farmer, and even though I paid about sixty bucks for my turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, you know, it was worth it, just especially for a one-time thing, especially for a meal like Thanksgiving, or if you're going to do a meal for, for another holiday. It's, I mean, it's it could be worth it to pay the money. I mean, I think. Yeah, and uh, there are probably quite a few other interesting choices. You could, there, 
I think there are a lot of turkeys being raised in Michigan and small farms. Yeah, that's actually one of the things. There were like competing turkey farms. There were turkey farms everywhere, and turkey was really easy to find. I mean, when I when I decided to do uh, get all of my ingredients from within 100 miles, I thought it would be really hard. And some parts of it were really hard. Mm. But something like turkey, it's really, like, surprising how much there is and how many people are, you know, raising their own turkeys and how many local turkey farms there are. Wow. So that was that was cool. That was lots of fun. And then, then so once we had the turkey settled, we had to get all the other ingredients. And, uh, a so what bi- are we going to pass next? Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the biggest for me was, turned out to be uh, salt. Oh. Which... At, at first, I wasn't even going to do salt. I was like, ah, I can't do local salt. You know, I can do local salt. Um, you know, where are you going to find it? We're in the middle of the freshwater lakes. And I was ready to give myself a pass on salt. Right. But then I then someone at work at a certain Michigan radio station. Yes. In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mentioned that uh, that there are salt mines under the city of Detroit, which I'd forgotten about. Right. Right. Okay. And so they harvest salt there. But those salt mines don't make... Uh, the kind of salt you put on your table, it's like road salt to clean up the roads and things like that. Road salt. Okay, that's a whole different... I wonder why it's different. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, maybe you could. we could go... To, we're supposed to get snow tonight, I and mean, maybe tomorrow morning we'll scrape some off the road and see what the difference is in taste. Yeah, we'll do a show on that. <laughs> <laughs> and if we get sick, we can do a show on emergency uh, procedures in case somebody eats road salt. I think... I think you might need to if, if you did that. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, but I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> So, okay, so the Detroit salt mine was out, but the salt mine, I suspect it's the same salt mine, continues across the border into Windsor, Ah. and there they do sell their salt as food salt, but you can't buy it in the U.S., so they'll, they'll pull the salt out of the mine in Windsor, and they'll put it in little canisters, and you can eat it at your table, but you can't, uh... You can't. They can't ship it into the U.S. The guy I talked to, one of the people at the company, it's called Windsor Salt Company, and he said they were worried about trade regulations or this or that. Mm. So since I had this challenge to get all of my ingredients, all my food from within 100 miles, and since Windsor is within 100 miles and it's the only place I could get salt, uh, I drove to Windsor to get a can of salt, just one can of salt. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up paying, you know, what whatever it is, four bucks cross the bridge it drove 50 miles i paid four bucks to cross back over the bridge and uh all for one can of salt and now, bo- did, now where did you get the salt exactly well i just i just crossed the border and just went to a grocery store and actually i had to go to three grocery stores to find the right brand oh okay which was sort of peculiar but you know i, I don't know anything about windsor and i wasn't smart enough to like map it out on google and and <laughs> call the grocery store beforehand so i just drove around in circles until i until i found the salt that i needed well, that's much more fun anyway yeah, much more fun. And let me tell you, the, bo- the border guards weren't too excited. I mean, if you if you go on your next trip to Canada, try explaining to them that the only reason you went to Canada was to buy salt. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't like right. it. And you know what else I learned is that you can't record when you're crossing the, the border into Canada. Because I work for a radio station, and I was trying to record for my story, uh, you know, of them asking me questions about my salt buying oh. needs. And I got busted by the Canadian border border guard. She oh. nailed me. Oh, because I guess you're conducting surveillance, aren't you? Yeah, something like that. It was like recording the questions they ask is a is a security risk, apparently. It must be the Homeland Salt Curity, uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. Salt Curity. Salt, cur- salt Curing, I don't know. No. Right. So, so uh, bottom line, you know, by eating local food, I uh, I had to break the law 
but luckily, <laughs> luckily they just made me. Re- You're erase. my hero. <laughs> they just made me erase that track and then, and then get back to, uh, get back on the road. I didn't have to go into jail or anything crazy like that. That's good. It's all for salt, you know. Yeah, salt. Well, let's take a moment to, uh, as the table's being set here. Let's uh, let's suit up. I've been leaving on my things, so in the morning when the morning bird sings, there's still dinner on my dinner jacket till the dinner bell rings. They Might Be Giants, Dinner Bell. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. This is Mike, and I'm here with Dustin, who has had the 100-mile diet. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Buying stuff exclusively 100 miles from his apartment for a Thanksgiving dinner. And could also be used for another holiday dinner coming up. No holiday dinner or any dinner, really, or like some the people who actually invented the 100-mile diet did it for a full year. Wow. Which is pretty darn ambitious, if you ask me, but yeah, you know. <laughs> So we've talked about turkey, we've talked about salt. Uh, what else did you find? So another hard thing to find was the flour. Uh, I mentioned before that uh, it, w- it wasn't okay to just buy local bread, like local Zingerman's bread or Great Harvest. The flour itself for the bread had to come from uh, a local, locally grown grains. And also, plus, we wanted to have pie. We wanted, you know, we wanted pie crust from local flour. So that was a little tricky at first to find, but through the power of the internet and through uh, the help of, of someone at work who, whose husband is a baker, uh, I, I was able to find this place, which is, there, there's a mill that's, it's, I don't know how to describe exactly where it is, but I mean, you, don't, you could almost draw a line between Lansing and, say, Flint. Mm. And it's in the middle, right in there, at the bottom corner of Genesee County, and it's called West Wind Milling. 
Hmm. And the guy runs it, uh, a guy and a gal named Lee and Linda Purdy, and uh, they grow their own grains, and they have this mill in, in, uh, that's been there for 170 years. Wow. And it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, when I drove out there, I'd never been in that area at all before because it's not really between two places that you go. Or like I said, you know, it might be between Flint and Lansing, but you drive you drive the interstate to get from there to there. So mm-hmm. it's out in the middle of this farmland, and I went and checked them out. And it it was just really cool. They had all this stuff. Not only did they have local flour that I was able to buy, they also baked their own bread. So I didn't have to learn how to make my own bread to use bread for my stuffing for the Thanksgiving dinner. And he also has uh, on their farm, they have all kinds of other stuff like uh, potatoes. I bought all the potatoes for our uh, mashed potatoes. In fact, still have some left over. Oh, cool. Uh, and they're they're all organically grown and all of that. And um, he sold honey from a local uh, honey farmer, which was important because um, I couldn't get local sugar. So we had hmm. to, yeah, in our pie, we had to substitute honey for sugar, even though I found out that they do make sugar in the thumb up near Bay City. Is it, uh, oh, what's it called? Morton? Not Morton. Pioneer. Pioneer. Okay. Pioneer. But Pioneer, see, those farms are potentially outside the 100-mile loop oh, from Ann Arbor. Okay. It's like, I, I actually Google mapped it. It's 102 miles to Bay oh, City. Oh, yeah, okay. And the sugar beet farms up there, they're all spread around that area. And I didn't want to take the risk of it not being 100-mile oh, sugar. No. Go all that way and then have to turn around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, looking at, this, at the odometer and, oh, 100.1. We got to go. Oh, yeah. Bummer. So instead of sugar, instead of thumb sugar, we had we had honey from a l- local honey farmer, all bought at this West Wind Million. And I have to say, if if you get a chance ever to go to West Wind Million, it is a very cool place. And Lee Purdy, uh, who I talk to quite a bit, is an amazing guy, and he knows everything there is to know about food. I think, wow, of like chemical knowledge of food, and and like I bought, I also bought milk from him, which came from the Calder Dairy, which is uh, down here in Southeast Michigan. But he told me everything there is to know about homogenization versus pasteurization and and how Calder Dairy does a different pasteurization than some of the other organic milk farms and why that was important. Mm. Just really weird and interesting stuff that I never knew or never really cared to know about my food. Uh, he knew it and could tell me all about it. Cool. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was cool. So what are some things that you couldn't get? You got couldn't you did you couldn't get sugar, so you got honey. But what other? Right. Things? Okay. So we did have exceptions. Uh, so our meal consisted of of, of turkey stuffing, uh, pumpkin pie, mashed potatoes was the was the core. Okay. The Thanksgiving dinner, and we didn't uh, we had a couple other things, but the the main problem was the pumpkin pie because the spices in that included uh, clove, nutmeg, cinnamon and something else that I'm forgetting. <laughs> but especially c- cinnamon and clove, uh, you can't get those locally, and they're you know grown in, like, Asia. And we've always gotten them from there for the past thousand years or whatever. I mean, we've always traded for those spices from Asia. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to risk having a pumpkin that, pumpkin pie that wasn't uh that wasn't as delicious as it could be yes deliciousness uh, and I should, is important i should note that i i didn't make the pumpkin pie i don't know how to make a pie though. oh okay my wife <laughs> meta made the pie and it was delicious and so so those were exceptions so the spices for the pumpkin pie were exceptions and then we invited over friends to have food and, and they of course brought uh all kinds of different stuff we had some wines that were actually from like the traverse city area so that's not that's like 250 miles but it's still michigan and we figured, you know, what the heck. Wow. So you did really well. 
Yeah, all, just a couple of exceptions, just really the spices and, uh, you know, we couldn't get local pepper, but we just didn't, we just decided not to put prep, pepper in some things. We couldn't get celery, which was supposed to go in our stuffing, but we just didn't, we just decided not to put celery in it and it was fine. It was okay. a good meal. It's delicious meal. Cool. So what was that website again you were inspired by? Uh, 100mildiet.org, 100 the number and then mild diet spelled out, dot org. And those people who who uh, who run the website are actually coming out with a book. I'm told next um, May, I think sometime. So okay, definitely plug them. They came up with the idea and led me down this path, which which led me into a whole new world of local food. Awesome. Well, Dustin, thanks for coming by. Hey, it was it was great. Dustin is a reporter at a certain Michigan radio station, as I mentioned before, <laughs> very subtly, and uh, eight. A Thanksgiving dinner with almost all ingredients bought within 100 miles of his apartment. Thank you. So now, speaking of salt, we talked about salt. Salt being made for eating in Windsor and for salt trucks and for salt for the roads in in this part of the world, in Michigan. Here's the Great Lakesmith Society and salt trucks. Car parts and cream corn, Indian copper and raincoats. Calumet basements had old ghosts. Snowshoes and salt pork, blackberry brandy and old smoke. Red jacket miners had sore throats.
That's the Great Lakes Myth Society and Salt Trucks. It's Pandora's Lunchbox, and we've got more guests in the studio. This is awesome. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, my name is Melissa. And? And I'm Timothy, and we uh, are representing the Michigan Design Militia. And there's an event coming up this weekend, the Shadow Art Fair. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's it's uh, tomorrow, actually, tomorrow night from 8 to 11 uh, at the Corner Brewery in Ipsy, and uh, Saturday, 11 to 8 p.m. And there's um, all kinds of stuff going on, uh, musicians, and uh, and what's up with that? What's the story with that? Um, well, tomorrow night, we're going to have um, uh, the person who was just singing, I believe, uh, Timothy Monger is playing Yeah. from Great Lakes Smith Society, and also Greg McIntosh from the same band, um, and Patrick Elkins um, with... Uh, with some friends and um, Umberto uh, and um, who else is playing? Oh, and uh, Davey and Peter Rothbart are doing a Found magazine reading. Oh yeah, the founders of well, one of the founders of Found and uh, his brother who has been doing stuff with him for a long time, right? Yeah. And so this is tied in a lot with a buy local theme going on, right? Right. There are a lot of merchants selling their local cool stuff. Yes. I know. I bought some cards. Uh, little cards with funny-looking superhero images on them that were really funky and cool there. And people are selling... I've seen people sell clothing there, right? I think people sell clothing. I'll be selling clothing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. People sell all kinds of artwork there. Yeah. And this is the second Shadow Art Fair, right? Right. The first one was uh, in... July. July. Yeah. And that was just one day, right? That was just one day. Yeah, and it went really well, so we decided to do another one for the holidays. Cool. And uh, let's see. There's also also some records there. I've I've seen some local zines there. Right. What are some of your favorite things about of stuff that's sold there? I don't know what comes to mind when you think of that. Put you uh, on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Uh, well, I can't mention my own stuff. <laughs> um, well, you could subtly mention it. Tim's cool cards are really cool. <laughs> cards? What kind of cards? Uh, greeting, mean, cards. greeting cards. Greeting um, cards. But there's, I don't know, there's a, there's a really, uh, a pretty great variety of stuff there. There's going to be, like, records, um, people, like, it, it's a it's a really nice mix of, like, this sort of DIY, punk, crafty kind of movement, um, and then there are um, some more people this time around that you expect to find at um, uh, more of, like, a sort of traditional art fair type thing, like paintings and uh, photography. But it's in a really cool... Casual setting, right. and I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. You can just get drunk uh, <laughs> while you while you shop in the corner brewery. That's what you mm-hmm. could do. That as a matter of fact. Yeah. And uh, where exactly is the corner brewery? Do you know Melissa? Uh, it's Wait, on actually. Forest. It's in seven twenty. Seven twenty. Yeah. I think it's on. It's technically on Norris Street, but it's right at the intersection of Norris and Forest, Near uh, just Town. north of Depot Town. Yeah. Um, there's a map on our website at shadowartfair.com. Shadowartfair.com. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's probably going to be snowing. Um, snowy yeah. tomorrow. But, uh... Very festive feeling. It'll be very yeah. warm inside. And you can yeah. get drunk and get even warmer. Mm-hmm. So... I wonder if they'll have eggnog. They should have eggnog. Yeah. Oh, they should have some kind of eggnog shots or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to push for that. Yeah. So the Shadow Art Fair is... Starts tomorrow... 
at 8 p.m. Ghost Mate p.m. to midnight with music from some of the people mentioned, including Timothy Monger, Greg McIntosh, and Patrick Elkins, and the folks from Found Magazine. And then Saturday, it's all day from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., and there will be lots of things available made by local artists. This has been a locally made show, I just realized. We talked about food bought locally and uh, stuff bought locally. So, And Corner Brewery just opened, I believe, earlier this year. Right. And mm-hmm. that's that's local, too. So whatever you can do to support local stuff is cool. Right. And just a quick mention, what is the Michigan Design Militia all about? Um, we're just a group that meets once a month to talk about um, making things and selling things and running an independent business. So we get together and we talk about issues relating to that, and um, we've been a good support group for each other and learned a lot of business-type things through each other's help. Yeah, and that's a nice alternative to some of the corporate businesses and stuff like that. More right. choice is good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Anything else you'd like to add about the uh, Shadow Art Fair? Come on by. Come on by. <laughs> yeah. I th- and Melissa really wants to talk about what she ate for lunch today. Oh, okay. Yes, please. I think. Um, I ate a bag of pretzels. Wow. That's it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> actually, I ate something really uh, odd just a moment ago in Detroit. While we're at this, uh, I bought some meringue, but it was actually rosewater meringue. Rosewater flavored meringue. I bought mm. it in Detroit at the Guardian Building, which is one of the really cool old Art Deco skyscrapers in Detroit. And uh, that while we were talking about stuff we ate, I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. I had a Greek omelet. Oh, okay. At wow. Benny's. You did better than dining, I did. Down on Industrial. Best Greek omelet in town. Wow. So good. Greek omelets are good. So we got yeah. the feta cheese and the... Oh, yeah. Uh, they pack it with feta down there. Awesome. Any gyro meat in there, or is that too weird for an omelet? I don't know. No, it's it's in there. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Well, cool. So come to the Shadow Art Fair, get a Greek omelet, and then head down to the Shadow Art Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Mike for the last half hour. Thank you for letting me be that, and thank you for coming by. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thanks. And in just a moment, we're going to have Face the Music with Mars, and she'll be here in just a moment to help us all do that. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Goofing at the table, you just don't know. What don't I know? How good this ham and eggs is. If you had any idea whatsoever how good this is, then you would stop writing poetry and dig in. It's been so long since I've been hungry, it's like a miracle. Ah, boy, but them bacon and them egg. <laughs> Mr. Beggar and Mrs. Davy, loony and croony. I made a poem out of it. Haven't smoked loony and croony in a long time. Them eggs and them, them, their bacons, baby. If you only lay that down on a trumpet. Lay that down solid, brother. About all them bacon and eggs. You gotta be able to lay it down solid. All that loony and fruny. Frakens, achens, and begs. Lay it. All that be bobby, be buddy, I didn't took, I could think so, be pop, be boppy, loony and juny. That's the way they get kind of hysterical. Loony and boony, juner and mooner, moon, spoon and june. 
Don't they call them cat men that lay it down with the trumpet? I call them them cat things. That's really cute, ain't it? William Carlos Williams. Always good to have a record that ends with a laugh. That's uh, Steve Allen and Jack Kerouac and Goofing at the Table. Yeah, it definitely is. That's what we're doing. This is WCBN FM. Hold on.